Hey, are you into werewolves, mad scientists, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. I don't care, Gavin. I know what the rest of the world calls it, but in America, we call it soccer. Ass. The following podcast contains... Because cursing is becoming more and more common, you will leave with a better knowledge of curse words, and you will be proud that you are well-educated. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you're on third down along with 18 seconds left on the clock and you call a running play, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, September 14th, 2018, Roughing the Snapper edition of the show where we talk about why football is now good. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Cleveland Browns. We never win. Are you looking for an NFL team that you, a lazy, out-of-shape, middle-aged dude who hasn't played sports since middle school, might possibly be better than? Then the Cleveland Browns are your team. We suck. Even you could do better. We haven't had a winning season since 2007 and managed to go 3-14, and 1-15, and 0-16 and the past three years. We started this year with a tie. Who ties in football? When it comes to the worst team in football, look no further than Cleveland Browns. And that means all of football, including that one college that does well in math. This Sunday, when you decide to watch football, give the Browns a try. The team's so bad, it has to be Cleveland. Hey, Browns. Mike Polk, season ticket holder. Killer game in Houston today. Well, thank God we built you. What a blessing for the community. You are wasting valuable space on our majestic shoreline, and what do we get out of it from you? Ten miserable games a year, including two preseason games that I have to pay for, and one shitty Kenny Chesney concert. Do you understand that it is actually statistically harder for a team to be this consistently bad than it is for them to occasionally accidentally be good? The probability is staggering. Did you happen to see that Packers-Chargers game today? It's like they're playing a different sport than you are. And here's what you have to understand. We don't even expect you to be good. We just want you to be watchable. Do you have any idea how low our expectations are? We don't expect you to win the Super Bowl. We just want you to look better than a Division III high school team. And listen, I know that there are way more important things in life than football, but you are supposed to be our pleasant distraction from those things. But all we do is pay you money to put us in a bad mood every week. You are a factory of sadness! I'll see you Sunday. I don't know how most of you remember your gym classes, but I look back on those years of forced physical activity as just a delicious little slice of sadism and not the good time kind where you get spanked afterwards. I went through a period of years in my childhood I refer to as the tubby times. I call them the tubby times because... Because you are a disgusting fat body! I wasn't stout. I wasn't big boned. I wasn't heavy. I was just what I said. I was tubby. There's no shame in being tubby as a kid. A lot of people go through that phase and most of us grow out of it. And during my tubby chimes, I also had the grim misfortune to discover that I lacked what we now call skills. Girls only want boyfriends who have great skills. And I was essentially skillless. 
Oh, sure, I could roll up a mean ranger, but no matter how many D6s I chucked down the hallway, there was nothing that was going to change my personal stats because they were less than uh, impressive. I couldn't run. I couldn't throw a ball. I certainly couldn't catch a ball, unless you mean with my face during the ritual torment that we call dodgeball, and unless you packed my ass with model rocket engines, my vertical jump did not exist. Needless to say, I was not an early pick for the various teams during gym class. I was did what most kids in my situation did. I forged a note from my parents saying that I had a skin condition, couldn't shower in public, and spent the entire time in the bleachers reading a monster manual. It was the, what was best for everyone involved. But a funny thing happened. At 16, I hit a growth spurt that coincided with me moving from Guam to Idaho. When I left Guam, I was a tubby little nerd. When I arrived in Idaho, I was about six feet tall, grown into my weight, and looked for all the world like, like a dude who could not only sport, but could sport well. The football coach saw me on my first week of school, and he would not take no for an answer. He insisted I try out for his team. And shit, just for a minute, he had even me believing that somehow, in the course of a few months, with no training and no exercise, I'd gone from the kind of guy who couldn't catch a football if you dropped it in my lap, to the kind of guy who just might be a... Mr. Popular Football God now? We went out to the field together. He threw a ball at me. I missed. He asked me to throw the ball. It tumbled about three feet. When he asked me to run, I ambled down the field slowly and then fell over. He told me to hit a tackling dummy... I hurt my shoulder, and together, the two of us realized that he's kind of a nerd. And I always would be. Despite all physical manifestations, the underlying truth of my lack of hand-eye coordination, general disinterest in exercise, and utter apathy towards competitive activities in general, and team sports in particular, were fundamental to who I was as a person. And I wasn't ever going to be a football star and his vacuous cheerleader girlfriend. And fortunately for me, I soon discovered that I could be just as cool as any of the jocks by smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, and selling shitty ditchweed to the jocks, and thus find my place in the social structure of Mountain Home Senior High School without any sweating involved. And part of this, part of this lack of skill is my dad's fault. He's a slight man, and to the best of my knowledge, he was even less athletically inclined than his only son. And there was no pressure to excel at grunting and sweating with other boys. In fact, given their creep and suspicions about my sexuality, they did everything in their power to keep me away from any situation involving boys, grunting, and sweating. Okay, uh, sounds sexy. Nor did anyone in my family display anything but the most rudimentary interest in sports. My dad, I guess, was kind of a sort of a fan of the University of Tennessee Vols, but I can't recall him ever watching a game my mother could give two shits about any kind of sports and my sister only developed a passion for football long after our childhood when she married a man whose passion for college football is more pure than the holiest of holy rollers in the pentecostal church so during my childhood i never even thought about the game indeed i developed a sneering derision for all team sports as a badge of my douchetudinal honor is that even a real word do you have any idea what you're talking about my friends would gather in groups around the blaring altar of television each Sunday and Monday, and I would grumble about the banality of grown men playing with their balls. I sneered each year at the frenetic rush towards the playoffs, only to be disappointed by yet another pathetic experience. It was kind of like my love life now that I think about it. 
And when people gathered around each year for the Super Bowl, I made a point of proclaiming that I, a civilized man, a reader of books, a thinker of things, would rather spend the day getting exploratory rectal surgery by a blind man with no thumbs than spend five hours of my life watching a game whose only real purpose was to make a bunch of rich white men richer off the blood and sweat of an African-American. I thought I was being very progressive, but I guess it really just turns out I was coming across as sort of a... Let's face it, you're kind of a douchebag. Still... Because I'm male-identifying and an American, the culture of football crept into me like a slow, insidious cancer. Despite my best efforts to snootily avoid the sport, the lingo, the rules, they all crept into my brain. Don't get me wrong, I don't know stats or players or records or plays, but I've got a decent grasp on the fundamentals of the game. I know what the downs are, the basic positions, even some of the tactics and strategy where I can sound as though I know what the fuck I'm talking about, even though I have no actual clue. I just want you to be you again. Because football is America's game. It's just like America. Loud, large, and violent, and extremely capitalist. You can't be an American and not have a little football in you. And that's always kind of pissed me off when I think about it. It wasn't all bad. I mean, yeah, it was still pretty bad. But I had a lot of time watching football here in New York City because my best friend used to attend bar at a sports bar in the West Village every Sunday, and I would go down to the bar and visit her pretty much every weekend. I did this for two reasons. First, she's my best friend, and I like hanging out with her. And second, the booze is free. Good God, I could drink 10 straight hours and pay like 20 bucks. But don't think I didn't pay in other ways because this was Sunday in a sports bar. I paid dearly. If you're one of my international listeners, you should know like how some people in your country go to church on Sunday. Americans watch football in the exact same way. And a lot of Americans watch football in bars. I know that people watch whatever it is you guys call soccer over there religiously and they watch in bars, but it is so different in America. It actually is our national religion. This place had 12 televisions and each TV had a different game on and drunken finance bros and crusty old men would get shit-faced and scream at the television. I don't know why screaming at the people on the TV is part of the game. I only know that it is. And during these long drunken Sundays, other men would frequently try to engage me in conversations about the games or what teams I like or what I I thought of the coach calling that particular play, and I would universally reply, not only was I not watching the game, but I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And they would blink and ask me quite reasonably, what the fuck am I doing in the bar? And because I couldn't say I was there to illicitly receive free liquor from my friend the bartender, I could only shrug and go back to drinking morosely and hating football and definitely hating people who watched football. And I lived in this zone for most of my five decades on this planet, more or less at peace with my place in the sport-hating universe. But then, a couple of years ago, something strange happened. Is a Fox News election alert. Pennsylvania goes to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. And everything in the universe just went ass over tea kettle. Down is up, wet is dry, and conservatives started hating football. What is this? What the hell is happening? There are certain fundamental truths about America. We will frequently blunder our way into wars we've got no business being in. We constantly seek short-term solutions to long-term problems. White people are going to do shitty things to everyone not white, and conservatives love fucking football. Come to find out, however, conservatives like doing shitty things to black people more than they like football. Oh shit, is that right? 
It seems that in 2016, a young fella playing for the San Francisco 49ers was looking for a way to render his disapproval for the regrettable habit of white cops shooting unarmed black people. A perfectly rational and reasonable way for him to feel in light of his being of African-American descent. I mean, all of us should feel that way, but this is America and only roughly 30% feel that this is actually a feature, not a bug. But this young fella, by the name of Colin Kaepernick, decided that millions of people watched him and played football every week, so maybe he should do something to raise awareness of the problem, since white people seemed oblivious to the problem. Not because they weren't aware, it's just because a lot of people, or a lot of white people are... Awful. Just awful. And don't give a shit about it. He hit upon the idea of protesting during the national anthem that opens every fucking sporting event in this stupid country for no adequately explored reasons. He thought about sitting down during the anthem, but after consulting with his teammate, a teammate who who had served in the military, and that teammate suggested kneeling during the anthem as a more appropriate thing to do, that's what he did. At first, no one even noticed. Because who the fuck watches during the anthem, during a football game? You're getting your drinks, your wings, you're taking a piss before kickoff. But then someone did notice, and they acted entirely rationally and reasonably about his protest. Oh, somehow I doubt that. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. They lost their fucking minds. Conservative media collectively shit their fucking pants about the whole disrespect to the flag, the troops, cops, and to mama. But mostly, the outrage was confined to the sort of places one expects to find conservative outrage. Fox News and Twitter. But then, something happened. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. Fired! And that's when the fighting really started. Once their bronzed gods started ranting about people taking a knee, this got Trump evangelicals all fired up about disrespecting the troops by kneeling during the anthem. And once those people get on something, they're going to stick with it for about a week until something new comes along to break their easily distracted concentration, and they run off like a puppy chasing a butterfly to the latest thing which chafes their perpetually raw and reddened assholes. That should have been the end of it. Honestly, conservative outrage has a shorter half-life than bad Chipotle burritos doing your bowels. Kaepernick left the 49ers and was blackballed from the league. Everyone knows this, but the league continues to lie about it. The owners, terrified of declining ratings, offended their red, uh, offending their red state constituency, floundered about trying to find a way to contain the protest, which spread from Cap throughout the league and into other sports, including college and high school, further infuriating the orange Fuhrer and his brown-shirted buttholes. For most of the 2017, the country roiled around the issue until football season was over, and finally the whole thing died down. Until, as I mentioned last week, the whole issue came back when when Nike chose Kaepernick as the face of their new ad campaign, making the whole damn country shout at one another all over the issue all over again. Meanwhile, the original reason for the protest is long forgotten, and the cops are free to continue dunning, gunning down unarmed black people, often in their own apartments that they mistakenly wandered into, excuse me, mistakenly wandered into, because that shit is a fucking lie, because this, and I want to be clear about this, is what America has always been about. So now, I gotta like football. I just got to. I've got no choice. When so many people, people who are on the wrong side of everything, are against something, 
then I, as a coastal elite liberal asshole, must assume the contrary position to keep the, the axial tilt of the country in balance. Well, your logic is impeccable, but... All right, fine. Mostly I'm just doing it for spite. And spite is a delightful motivator. And since I am just aware enough of football to make totally uninformed decisions about the game and watch teams I should side with... Side. I am on nobody's side. Because nobody is on my side. And I'm given to understand that determining which team one roots for in football is a very important decision. It says something about who you are as a person and the values that you hold and should only be made under the most careful consideration weighing several vital factors like where you grew up and where you live at the moment. I see you put a lot of thought into this. I did the research. As near as I can tell, people would choose which team they root for based entirely on reasons of geographic proximity to either their current location or the location of their childhood home. I grew up all over the world. Even if there were NFL teams near me in my childhood, which there weren't, <laughs> I didn't have anybody to base these things on. So unencumbered by these traditional constraints, I'm free to choose from the entire league. And after giving each team careful consideration and at least half a second's thought, I settled on the Cleveland Browns because the Cleveland Browns... Because they suck! And if I want to waste precious hours of my few remaining years on this planet, I want them to be thinking about the worst team available, because I'm perverse like that. So now I'm a football fan, for all of about 20 seconds. And now that I've been a fan for that long, I feel like I'm entitled to make some suggestions. Not to the Browns, you guys are perfect, don't change a thing. I don't know if it's possible to tie 16 games in one season, but if you want to give it that old college, I don't know, professional try, I'm behind you guys. No, my suggestions are about the game of football in general. Some things I feel will improve the experience for me, a fan. First of all, the games are really, really long. I mean, you put 15 minutes on a clock every quarter, and the quarter lasts at least twice that long if we're lucky. When I put 15 minutes on a clock, I don't get to stop it and then go off and do other shit without the clock still running. Try that shit when you're taking your SAT and see what they say. All of these little group chats y'all have before every play, do that on your time, not mine. I'm willing to give you your little rest breaks. I get the game is tiring, but the damn thing's going to stop every six minutes for a beer commercial anyway. Have your chats, get yourself a cup of Gatorade, and have a breather during the time we're already wasting with a talking lizard trying to sell me car insurance on a car I don't even own. Second, who do these ref guys think they're fooling with their little yellow flags? We're watching the thing from 67 cameras in high dev with a God's eye view of the field, and we can't see what the fuck they just did. You expect me to believe that some dude standing 20 feet away has fucking x-ray vision to spot some shit through a thousand pounds of man flesh on the move? Man, get the fuck out of here, man. You didn't see shit. Pick up your little flag and go back to the sidelines because we all know the only thing you're looking at is how not to get run over by some giant dude at a full fucking sprint. The only people that can call a penalty are the guys looking at the cameras and if a player thinks they were fouled, they can raise their fucking finger and point the other one like a third grader pointing out who farted in class. Next, seems to be like a lot of these guys are getting hurt. Sometimes pretty badly, and that doesn't seem right to me. Sure, a few, a few of you are earning millions of dollars a year, but the dudes that seem to get hurt the most aren't the stars, 
the white guys, all the black guys seem to be protecting so hard. It's the black guys doing all the hitting that seem to get fucked up. And that, that they ain't making the big money. They're making more money than me, sure, but not enough to have my brain stirred like a frog in a blender a couple of times, a couple of dozen times a day, every day, for half a year, not counting camp. Can't y'all get some, like, flag dangly things we used when the cheerleaders would play against each other in what that one week in high school during homecoming seems to me like a lot fewer of you guys would get hurt and then maybe you wouldn't beat the shit out of other people off the field because your brain is bad think of how happy those nfl wives and girlfriends would be if we could just stop hurting each other so much speaking of women let's get some women on the field you want to see a good run play? Put a really fast woman out there and watch her fucking put the jets on running downfield while some huge ass guy lumbers after her Let's spice up that fucking running game real quick. I mean, we know women can kick because every 80s sports movie about a tomboy who wanted to play football but couldn't because she's a girl had to play the kicker disguised as a boy. Are you telling me we can't make that shit happen without the pretense? It's 2018, for fuck's sake. Let a woman play. I mean, just from the physical physical perspective alone, I would think you would want that. There's an untapped market out there waiting to be filled. Also, can we stop pretending this game is some kind of chess? You aren't Hannibal crossing the Alps with elephants. It's dudes trying to run past one another on their way to the other end of the field. Yeah, 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 you got patterns, and they got patterns for your patterns, and you run them against each other. But really what you're doing is waiting for someone on the other side to fall down. There isn't a lot of planning in that. You aren't mapping the invasion of Sicily Patton. You're going to throw a fucking ball. But all of that being said, at least football has some merit to the idea of strategy, unlike baseball, which is a bunch of fuckers standing around on the off chance someone accidentally makes contact with the ball. And what the hell is with the playoffs? 16 games of every season, then you gotta do five more on top of that? Just get the two top teams in each conference and let them play and do the fucking Super Bowl. What is this wild card shit? Some half-assed team pulls off an upset because the quarterback's cups pinches his balls at the wrong moment. And that is what we let move up with their shitty, shitty record? Fuck that. The two winningest teams face off in each conference. And if there's a if there's a tie in the record, the longest punter settles who goes. Give those poor bastards something useful to do. Then, just head to the Super Bowl next week. Motherfucker, most people are only watching for the ads in the first place. We could save a lot of time and get the season over in 18 weeks tops. The whole season over in the first week of January. And by that time, everyone is sick of football anyway, and we all know who's going to win. Before they ever set foot on the stadium, it's the fucking Patriots most years. I'm just saying, by mid-January, we could be watching hockey, which has all of the violence of football and none of the pretense, and they do it on ice skates. That's pretty fucking impressive, right? You could probably tell my conversion to being a football fan is not exactly sincere. Though I do have an unironic affection for the Browns and anyone who's a genuine fan of the team. I mean, you really need to be committed to the game and the team to watch a team that bad year after year. Most folks have given up by now, but not Cleveland, because they know that sucking is more than just being an abject failure. It's about persevering being an abject failure year after year, decade after decade. To embrace the idea of being a national laughingstock until you make it your brand. After all, this is a city where the river comes caught fire on more than one occasion and they just didn't pack up and move away they stayed right there by that put that burning river out then once then one time one time cleveland launched a million plus balloons into the air and fouled an entire great lake killing wildlife interrupting traffic on land sea and air never ever changed cleveland god
God, I love that town. But I've started to see the value of the game to us as a country and can lament how we've let it become another casualty in our low-grade civil war. Once upon a time, here was this thing that all Americans, well, not all Americans, but a lot of disparate Americans from across race, ethnicity, religion, politics, and economic status could come together and hate other Americans, not because of all the things I just listed, but because they rooted for a different team. For five hours a week, we could hate with all of our passion. And then, when it was over, go back to drinking and thumping one another in the back and saying how bad the other guy's team sucked. And now, it seems like everything else in the time of Trump, this is ruined. And this isn't to ignore the problematic things about professional football, not the least of which is the group of excruciatingly white men getting richer off the labor of predominantly black men who sacrifice their bodies for a fraction of what it makes the league each year and the owners. But there, And there's the extortionate practices of bilking tax breaks from cities and states with threats to move a franchise. There's a cavalier disregard for injuries and an active denial of the long-term effects of the game on the bodies of the players. And it creates a set of wildly unrealistic expectations in young men who play the game in primary and secondary schools and in college who risk lifelong injuries for the lottery small odds of breaking into the pros. And even if they do break into the pros, pros they face being hit by a meteor at the same time being as being struck by lightning odds of becoming a superstar in the NFL. The culture of sports and education allows certain athletes to gain privilege over their classmates and commit crimes while being protected by the system. The gambling culture of nowhere no, just recently ratified by the Supreme Court can destroy lives as addicts squander their savings and earnings on pointless wagers based entirely on random chance. And finally, it encourages young men and women to drink shitty American lagers and shout, Woo! At the top of their lungs in small, crowded sports bars, where I'm just trying to discuss the X-Files with my best friend while, while getting enormously inebriated, and that is probably the biggest sin of all. Can't you people just shut the fuck up just for one minute? And I fully support Kaepernick and the other players' causes because I fucking served in the military to protect their right to protest an unjust system. And fuck these people who whine about respecting the troops and the veteran. You want to support the, uh, the fucking troops? Then how about complaining when the government hacks with our fucking benefits again? Oh, right. You only give a fuck when it offends your pet cause, not when it actually means something. So let's all shut the fuck up and play the fucking football game because we need the game and we need to get back to letting the game be the game. Let's turn off the hyper-patriotic bullshit the government tacked on to help meet recruiting goals in the midst of another one of our pointless and endless fucking wars. Take away the giant flags and the flyovers. Take away the troops marching in a parade. If you want to play the fucking anthem, play it before the players take the field and let Americans get back to the purity of hating one another, not because our politics or the color of our skin, but because 12 years ago, another guy's team beat your team for the playoff spot because the refs made a shitty call because that is what america is all about hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. That is it for our show this week. 
Every time I finish a script for a week's pod before Friday, I'm terrified of what will happen between noon on Wednesday when I finish it and 7 p.m. on Friday when I start to record. And I thought this was going to be a relatively quiet week on the doomsday front. And then fucking Paul Manafort flips and there's a big fucking hurricane. And Trump said some horrible shit again. Fuck. I just really want to do these lighthearted shows because the past few weeks were, uh, well, once upon a time, I could have done a show like this without mentioning you know who being you know what, but no longer. After this, we start counting down the days to the midterms and I start haranguing you about voting, damn it. But until then, let us gather around the television and shout incoherently at men who cannot hear you and would not care if they could. Because it's football season, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to avoid a neutral zone infraction, which sounds like something from Romulan football, rate and review this show wherever you find it. This will help others hear the show and call a personal foul on you. All of my illegal touching can be found on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast and the show name on Facebook. All of the illegal formations that are on the that is the show can be found on SoundCloud at the show name and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave, picking the ground blood so, producer Beer on Ice Gavin, and all the fictional rowdy friends on this show, we want to say go Browns! And we'll see you all next week. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow.